Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Dr. E.J. McKenzie on Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Dr. E.J. McKenzie, with the Master Key on this Tuesday evening. We pray that this evening has found you well. It has to because your Creator is well. He is Lord. He is Master. He is King. He is Ruler over everything. Well, I pray that you receive something from the ending part of uh, yesterday. As we was uh, winding down the last half, uh, we were sharing some uh, principles concerning miracles, miracles, signs, and wonders. When Jesus began to speak to uh, his disciples and share with them concerning um, why they missed it, why they missed it concerning the miracle of the loaves. Today I'm going to do something a little different. I have Kathy to join with me, and I want to see what the Lord has spoken to her. Out of the things that the Lord God has been uh, articulating uh, to us uh, within the last uh, few weeks that God has been uh, talking to us concerning redemption, concerning reconciliation, concerning um, the resurrection. All of these things have every single thing to do with how you and I function victoriously in the earth realm. On um, on Sunday, uh, last Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, uh, we was dealing with... Um, um, uh, well, we talked about the resurrection, and we kind of—I uh, don't know if we concluded, but uh, but God kind of expanded on last Sunday concerning the resurrection, and I kind of concluded last night as we were sharing uh, concerning uh, uh, three guys. Uh, one of them was par- a paralytic, and he. Uh, uh, heard about Jesus, his friends carried him to Jesus. Jesus was teaching in someone's house. It was crowded. He couldn't get in. You know the story. He went to the top of the roof, broke the roof up, and laid the man down. <laughs> I love Jesus, how he challenged our religious thinking. And he says, your sins is forgiven you. And uh, get up and walk. And the great teachers, the doctors of the laws, they was present and they was indignant. They they was upset. Um, how in the world could this man speak blasphemous words? Who is he? Only God can forgive sins. Jesus turns around. You got to understand something. Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, teaching was from a kingdom perspective. I put it this way: There's nothing that Jesus taught that did not have an Old Testament equivalent. The people just could not understand it. They could not comprehend it. So Jesus was really teaching them the spiritual aspect of everything that was written in the law. So he was, he was which they could not see, they could not understand, they could not comprehend, because it was closed. See, only the Spirit of God can unseal and unlock the Scripture to us. So he said, which one is easier, your sins be forgiven you or rise and be made whole? One, to me, one of the most beautiful things, how you associate sins being forgiven and healing. If you remember the definition we gave concerning the miracle, it's, it's basically is uh, the reversal of the effects of sin. So here is the supernatural coming into the natural and reversing the the natural that's up under the dominion of sin. 
So is sin been removed, then the creation can go back functioning the way God created it to function because sin has been removed. Jesus was the Redeemer. Jesus lived and walked by faith and not by sight. So therefore, he was the resurrection and the life. Even before he died, he walked in resurrection life. So God really accounted Jesus, uh, accounted to Jesus uh, uh, as the resurrection before he even died. God accounted it to him, credited it to him. That's the right we're looking for. So Jesus, I am the resurrection. I am the life, but had not died. So therefore... God went ahead and accredited to him, and Jesus exercised dominion over everything in this realm. Matter of fact, basically what he did was restored it back to the God that created it, in, uh, uh, which was the Father through him, the Word of God. So today, I um, uh, have my wife to join me, and uh, I want us to dialogue on, on some of these things. I want to hear what the Lord has been speaking to her uh, out of the last three, four weeks that the Lord has been uh, uh, speaking to us uh, concerning who we are, concerning restoration or reconciliation, concerning the resurrection. Paul made a statement in First Corinthians chapter 15, if Christ is not raised, we are still in our sin. Now, the cross and the resurrection, they, 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 they operate... Uh, uh, um, what can I say? I can't say simultaneously because it didn't happen simultaneously. But you cannot separate the cross from the resurrection, nor the resurrection from the cross, because sin was was defeated on the cross, but Jesus rose in victory over it in the resurrection. He conquered sin on the cross. So by him conquering sin on the cross, the scripture, if he does not rise, we'll still in our sin. Even though he conquered it, if he did if he stayed down, then sin really conquered him. He died on on the cross. Our sins took him to hell. But if he did not rise, everything that was accomplished on the cross would have been in vain. And we'll still be in our sins. Satan still will be uh, uh, God over this world. I know the scripture says God over this world, but Jesus already reconciled. The Father reconciled this world back to himself. But that's why you, that's where the church comes in at, to make good what Jesus has accomplished. And that's, if we don't get anything, we really got to get that. It's already been done. We've been healed, but we got to make good our healing. How we do that? By our accepting Jesus as our sacrifice of removing our sin. And that's warfare because the devil don't give up without a fight. He don't give up without a fight. And the, the, and when you give up, it's a revelation you don't believe. So he's going to fight to the bitter end. And you need to come to your place, I'm going to have faith to the bitter end. And always understand God always gives him a timetable. God gave Satan a timetable with Job. God gave Satan a timetable with Jesus in the wilderness. He had a time period. Job didn't know what the time period was. I believe Jesus did, but Job did not know what the time period was. He didn't really even understand what was going on in the fullness at all. But when the fullness of time came, when Satan's probation was up concerning Job, God said now, your liberation is praying for your friends. And he prayed for them, and all was restored. Well, we have Prophet Kathy on the line with us at, uh, um, uh, tonight on the broadcast. Uh, I want to hear from uh, from you tonight, uh, Miss McKenzie. What has the Lord been speaking to you uh, over the uh, last month or so? Well, first of all, good evening to everyone uh, on the, the on the broadcast tonight. Um, what God has been speaking to me has been... Um, Life-changing for me uh, is something I just heard you say how Satan is going to fight to the bitter end. Um, and that's something I just said um, today that God has been speaking to me, fighting the good fight of faith. Also fighting to stay focused on what God has been saying concerning the cross and the resur uh, resurrection and reconciliation. 
you know, staying focused that that has to be real in me. Um, And the only way that can be real in me is me accepting something you just uh, recently said, me accepting what Christ has done. It's it's already done. There's nothing I um, have to do except believe God, believe the word of God. And sometimes that's not easy, uh, you know, because you, you have these thoughts that the enemy is constantly trying to bombard your mind with, but staying focused on it's already done, not walking by my feelings, not walking by what's happening, but staying focused on the Word of God and keeping the Word of God focused in my vision at all times and allowing that Word to penetrate my spirit, knowing that it's already done. That's good. And see, let, let's let's add to what you just said, uh, because I think what has happened in the body of Christ with all of us is uh, we're living in an age of information. And see, that does not mean that the church is exempt from that. The church will end this world, but we're not of this world. And the Bible says in the last days, knowledge shall increase. So we're living in a dispensation of information. I mean, we got access to information in our day and time. No generation ever had access to like we have it. The Internet is worldwide. We got access to the world through a phone, uh, through a, a, a tablet, through a computer. We have access literally to every civilized world, uh, uh, not world, every civilized people on, uh, in this world. So we have access. So, so what happens with that, I believe, that we're so inundated and impressed with information. So we love hearing things we never heard before, or things that enlighten, enlighten us. Uh, my daughter, uh, my youngest daughter is doing a project. Uh, she had an assignment to do a project on, on the New Age, so she was uh, reading uh, to me earlier her assignment on the New Age. Excellent uh, 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 information. And um, um, she was sharing me the three elements of, of, of the New Age, uh, 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 pantheism and uh, enlightenment and, and something else uh, she was sharing. <laughs> now, a lot of that stuff comes right into the church. And the reason I'm bringing all this out because we got to understand, the way it becomes real, first uh, uh, the enlightenment comes, then the reality must come. The reality come by me being placed in a situation for me holding on to what God said, God promised, and it manifests in the midst of that situation. And when it manifests in the midst of that situation, like Jesus, when he got into the boat, the storm ceased, then that's when our storm ceased. Then notice when our storm ceased. Now watch this right here. When Jesus got into what boat? The boat that the disciples was in. When he got in the boat with them, the storm ceased. So, therefore, they experience uh, the defeat of the storm when their master got in the boat. So they experienced that along with Jesus. It wasn't just not a word. It wasn't a confession. It wasn't a teaching. It wasn't a preaching. They got the teaching and the preaching. That's why he was in the situation. To experience the teaching and the preaching by embracing it, believing what Jesus said, holding on to what Jesus said, and the storm would obey them just like it obeyed Jesus. So, so how it becomes real is uh, me being placed in a situation, me being tested personally, me being tested as a husband, you being tested as a wife, we being tested as parents, me being tested as a businessman or a pastor or an apostle or whatever uh, my, uh, 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 my assignment is in the earth realm. It got to be your test validates you. Uh, uh, or invalidates you. So, and not only that, it, it don't validate you first here in this realm, it validates you first in the realm of God. Why you say that, preacher? Because uh, Paul I know, Jesus I know, but who are you? Yeah. The only reason he can say, who are you? I don't know you, because they didn't pass on tests. 
they wasn't validated in the realm of God by standing and believing and trusting. And Jesus was a reality for them. So not someone they just preach, I jury you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. Oh, I know Paul. I know Jesus. I don't know you. So that's how this thing becomes a reality to us. Something you said about the uh, test when, when Jesus got into the boat along with the disciples, uh, and they were able to, they were able to, uh, the, the storm, the storm ceased when Jesus got on the boat. I was thinking about Job. Uh, Job said, "When sometimes you know God allows us uh, to be, God is the one that initiates the test, like with Job." And the scripture says concerning Job. Job said, "When he has tried me, when he has tried me." And during this season that we're in, many of us are experiencing tests that God has initiated, that God has allowed us to be in, that God has taken us through. Uh, uh, And so Job said, when he has tried me, I shall come forth as pure gold. Job recognized that this test was from God, and Job was able to uh, go through the test and Job was able to uh, uh, make that statement because he knew it was God that was testing him. And so for us, for me, during this season, the message on reconciliation and restoration, um, excuse me, not restoration, but the resurrection, uh, knowing that God is the one that has allowed this test to be. Um, and even as God has allowed this test to be, in the midst of it, just like with the disciples, Embracing the word uh, in the midst of the test that I'm experiencing, then uh, as I do that, the resurrection will become real and the uh, reconciliation that I have been reconciled in harmony and favor with God. Uh, my mind has been reconciled. My, my conscious, my subconscious has been reconciled. So that's the only way that I can stay focused on God and embrace the word during the test and allow uh, the word of God to be real to me during this season. That's excellent. That's excellent. As you was you, you were speaking and sharing just now, um, the spirit of God quickened to me uh, when you when you quoted the scripture. Job said, "When he have tried me, when he had tested me, I shall come out as pure gold." Now, always understand this right here. Think about it. God is a just God. God will never test us without preparing us for the test. It'll be un- it'll be it'll be, it'll be unjust. Yes. Just like you going to school, and 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 uh, and your children going to school, and then they test your child, but never gave your child any material, never uh, 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 did any kind of lecture with your child, never gave your child any kind of. Uh, uh, Training in the areas or teaching in the area that you're getting ready to test them in, unjust. Yes. I mean, how do you expect for them to pass the test when they don't even know what they're being tested about? That's remind me of our middle daughter. She said she had a day of a test. Uh, uh, she's in, uh, uh, in in college right now, and she said on one of the tests uh, that she was in, they never even studied that. And they asked the teacher, "How could you give us a test?" So we never even went over this. He said. Oh, y'all didn't go over that? <laughs> this is what the teacher said. Oh, you all didn't go over that? So, so uh, and, a, and a different one said, yeah, that's right. You didn't even give us this here. So they thought it was unjust for him to, t- and think about it, it really was. How would they expect to know this thing if they never uh, went over this thing? You didn't give us a chapter to read on this. You didn't do no lecture on this. How do we supposed to know this? But you test us on this? So it's the same thing with God. God will never test us on anything. You can take it to the bank. Every test that the Father, uh, that Jesus put those disciples in, I guarantee you he shared some principle with them. If it wasn't, but, if it wasn't nothing but teaching the crowd, they should have been sitting down there listening. And how do we miss the test? Sometimes it's because we get too familiar with who we in relationship with and say, well, that teaching is for the crowd, ain't for us. We with Jesus. <laughs> and and that's how people operate. Yes. 
uh, are we with Jesus, so that ain't for us. And then Jesus turns around and put, he don't put, watch this right here. He don't put the crowd on a test. He put the disciples on a test. Yes. He was teaching the crowd. He wasn't teaching the disciples, but the disciples are the one that's put in the test. The crowd is not put in the test. <laughs> so, therefore, when you're close to the Lord or close to your leaders, you will be tested on a level, a level greater than anybody else in the congregation, on your job, or whatever. Because you've got to understand something. If you are close to the authority, then the authority expects for you to think the way they think. Yes. See things the way they see things. My teaching reveals to you what I think. My teaching believes to uh, reveals to you what I believe. Now, do you believe what I believe? Do you see the way I see? He don't ask them that. He put them in a test. The test reveals if they see what he see and believe what he believe. How they respond to the test. Yes. So it's not a question and answer thing. <laughs> You're put in a real life situation. That's the way Jesus t- tested. How many leaders test that way? Mm. How many parents test that way? And watch this right here. And the purpose of the test is not for failure at all. The purpose of the test is for you to be transformed into what he just taught the crowd. And if you are transformed, then the thing that is testing you will come subject and submit to you. Without you even saying anything. Notice, Jesus didn't even rebuke a storm when he was walking on the water. And once he got in the boat, it automatically ceased. Yes. He didn't say, I rebuke you. He didn't say, I come against you. He didn't say, I call down judgment on you. He just gets in the boat, and it ceases. Now, watch this right here. That should show us something. The scripture you just quoted when, uh, from Job. Yes. When God has tested me, how does scripture go again? When he has tested me, I shall come forth as pure gold. When he has tested me, I shall. Now, the revelation to show you that Jesus was the one that is testing, because once he got in the boat, the test ceased. Yes. So it wasn't the devil. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was ordered by Jesus, or the Father. Yes. Something else uh, God has been speaking to me concerning uh, the test. Uh, and allowing the the cross and the resurrection uh, and reconciliation to be real in in my spirit is when God began to minister through you a couple of weeks ago concerning the the heart. Uh, Everything springs from the heart and how my heart, uh, not focusing on nobody else's, but my heart has been revealing some things. uh, God has been allowing some things to come forth out of my heart to show me what is what? Which type of heart I have? Do I have uh, the uh, the stony heart, the wayside heart, or the thorny heart? Um, is God's will for me to have the good ground heart? Uh, but if I ha- am seeing one of the other hearts revealed, then that shows me uh, the things that I must uh, uh, renounce and get rid of and not allow it, uh, remove it from my heart. So only God. Uh, would be on the on the throne of my heart, uh, and it, and and God was also showing me uh, when He attested the children of Israel, uh, and He said to them um, that God is the one that led you through the wilderness all these forty years to to test you, to humble you, to see uh, to to see if you would keep no to see what was in your heart and to see if you would keep His word or not. So during this season, God is showing me how to embrace His word. But as I'm embracing his word, everything that's not of him, I must get rid of. I must remove it far from my heart um, so I can have that, that good ground heart that, that uh, God, you know, that uh, the scripture speaks of in the book of Mark there. Uh, it's God's will for me to have that good ground heart. But what has been coming out of my heart? Um, and so I've been uh, allowing God to show it to me so I can renounce it uh, and, and draw closer to him. Uh, and not allow these things to dominate my heart, but he will be on the throne of my heart. That's excellent. Let me add to what you just said so we can really have clarity how God operates. Yes. And we really need to understand how a heart is transformed from a wayside, stony, thorny, into a good ground heart. 
It don't just happen that way. It don't happen by fasting. Yes. It don't happen by prayer. Fasting and prayer is preparation. Ladies and gentlemen, all of us, every man, woman, boy, and girl that is born again, have to go through the, a wilderness. What is the purpose of a wilderness? To die. Yes. To die to everything that I have depended on and trusted in. Think about it. What is it about you that you can depend on and trust in in a wilderness that's going to save you? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. And, and, and that's why all of us have to go by way of a wilderness because that's where how a good ground heart is developed. It is developed in a wilderness. A wilderness is designed for me and you to come to the end of trusting anything about us in us. Yes. And what's beautiful about the wilderness with the children of Israel? See, you didn't have some your family members still in Egypt, some in the wilderness, and some in Canaan. So you can escape and go and get help. That's how people is messed up. And that's why they never, never establish a good ground heart, because they always have a ram and a bush. But the beautiful part about the, na the nation of Israel, all of them was in the wilderness. Yes. And so, therefore, nobody can help nobody. The only help you're going to ever get is going to come from God. So that's how a good ground heart is developed. Now, watch this right here. But at the same time, you can be in a wilderness and never develop a good ground heart mm -hmm. because you complain and you mumble and you grumble. See, complaining, mumbling, and grumbling solidifies you in that wayside, stony, a thorny heart. And a good ground is never developed. It's never developed. Two people, really three, three that came out of Egypt, well, I said two, because Moses already had it. God already took him through the wilderness before he took him, uh, brought the children of Israel out. Moses already had a good ground heart. But Caleb and Joshua, out of three million, Allowed the wilderness to process them into a good ground heart. Now, how do you know what's the purpose of the wilderness? Good ground? When you got a good ground, how do you know you got a good ground heart? Because God becomes real. Yes. God becomes real and God becomes bigger. And then when you go into Canaan and see giants, giants is not as giants to you. Giants really is as grasshoppers to you because you encountered the giant before you met the giant. You encountered the giant. Who is the giant? God. God, yes. God is the giant, became a giant, uh, or became God in the wilderness. And so when you go into the land of Canaan, giants become grasshoppers to you because you encountered him in a wilderness. So your heart was transformed in the wilderness, and you go into Canaan, and when you see giants, man, you, 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 you smack in your mouth. Oh, man, we're getting, we getting ready to eat some giants up in here, some grasshoppers rather up in here because... We allow our hearts to become good ground. In the Bible, let us know a good ground heart is going to produce. It always brings forth. It always brings forth. It always brings forth. And so these, these things have to become a reality to us. If you, if you connect what you just articulated from the power of, from, from the perspective of reconciliation and the perspective of resurrection, they, uh, because they did experience a level of major resurrection by baptism when they went through the, um, through the Red Sea, according to the book of Hebrews. That was a form of baptism and, so, and resurrection. Re baptism uh, represents resurrection. And so there's a form of it. So everything still had to do with uh, reconciliation. And so God was taking them in there into the land of Canaan uh, in order for them to exercise uh, dominion in Canaan, but they had to experience reconciliation. So the wilderness really was designed to reconcile them in harmony and favor with God. Yes. And so then go into Canaan and exercise victory uh, uh, 
uh, over every uh, the Canaanites, Jebusites, Hivites, and all those other acts. Yes. And and just to add to what you just said, um, the wilderness is also to reconcile us back into harmony and favor with the Most High God. Because if during this wilderness period that some of us may be experiencing right now, and God has shown us that we either have one of the uh, the, the three different hearts there, the stony heart, the thorny heart, the wayside heart, and but it's his will that we have the good ground heart. But uh, right now we're in that wilderness period. Uh, but God wants us to die, as you just so uh, beautifully articulated, um, that we die to ourselves, we die to anything that is not like him. Um, so we can, so uh, being reconciled to him, we can see that, that that has to be real in us, that we are reconciled in harmony and favor with him. But if anything else is coming out of our heart that is not the production of a good ground heart, then we still have to die. God spoke and said that the children of Israel was a, sniffed, a stiff-necked people. This people always err in their heart. God was telling Moses this. Let me destroy them. Moses began to intercede. No, God, this is your people. What, what is the uh, nations or, uh, the nation of the earth going to think about you? You just only brought them out here in the wilderness to kill them. He said, they're stiff in their heart. But why did God say that? Because every time he tested them to elevate them, they hardened their heart against God. What was the first test when it came out of Egypt? First test was bitter waters. You brought us out here to die. That was the response every time. You brought us out here to die. You brought us out here to die. Now, why would God, why, think about it. Why would God bring you into the wilderness to die? If God wanted to kill you, he'll kill you in Egypt. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just, I mean, if he, he's, he, he's that small, he's that ignorant, I mean, he can't kill you in, in Egypt. He want to kill you in the wilderness. <laughs> What's the difference? If you're dead, you're dead. You die in the wilderness or you die in, in Egypt. If he wants to kill you, he can kill you. Do that, do that make any sense? That's how, see, when you and I are full of ourselves and we're fearful, it was always a complaint. You brought us out here to kill us. You brought us out here to kill us and our little ones. Everything was designed to get you and I to come to the end of ourselves that we trust in nothing but God. Man should not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And even that, even that is a, a mystery. Think about it. He said, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. But he turns around and gives them bread. Mm-hmm. Yes. He said, man should not live by bread alone, but he gives them bread. But what was he actually said? Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. But turns around and give him bread. He said, I have no problem with bread. The pr- problem is not bread. Mm-hmm. The problem is uh, you love bread more than you love me. Yes. I created bread for you to enjoy bread. You, you, you don't get it. I gave you bread to enjoy bread. But I'll, I will withhold bread to see if you enjoy bread more than you do the God that created bread. That's what you got to understand. That's why God tests us by withholding things from us. It's not he don't want to give it to us. He just want to see do we love it more than him. So he turns around and give them bread, but not the bread they want, but the bread he wants them to have. See, that's allowing him to be God. You don't understand why he's giving you bread from heaven. The most important thing be grateful and thankful and appreciative that he's giving you bread to sustain you. So what is he doing? Why is he giving you bread from heaven and not giving you the bread you want? Because uh, he's trying to get you and I to come to the end of ourselves, that we trust in nothing of ourselves, but we trust only in the God who created us and the God who knows what's best for us. I'm going to trust you. Yes. If you want me to eat bread from heaven all the days of my life, you are my father. You are my God. You are my creator. So I trust you. This is the only thing he, he's, he's trying to get all of us to come to. When God tested Abraham with Isaac, 
It's not that he wanted to kill Isaac at all. But what he wanted, he didn't. He wanted to, to see. He wanted. Well, he already knew. But he, it, this is a principle too. God knows everything. But what God knows has to be confirmed. Yes. You see, that, that, I don't think we understand that. Well, God already knows. Yeah, He knows, but it has to be confirmed. How is it confirmed? By your action. Mm-hmm. Yes. So God says, "Give me Isaac." And when He got rid of Isaac, now I know. He didn't know before then. <laughs> but we say He's omnipotent and omniscient, knows everything. It's not. The key is not God knowing everything. The key have to is the key, ladies and gentlemen, is what God knows has to be confirmed in the earth. Yes. I'm gonna say it again. What God knows has to be confirmed in the earth. When he got rid of Isaac, I said, Now I know that you won't withhold any good thing from me. Now because your action confirmed what was in my heart. Mm-hmm. Now, blessings, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply you uh, up, uh, uh, as the stand up on the seashore in the stars that is in heaven. Yes. So, so you've got to understand, ladies and gentlemen, you and I must become a confirmation of what's in God's heart. You can tell, you can tell God all day long you love him. God, well, God knew I love him, just like Peter. Love it down me? Yea, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter loved that me. Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter loved that me. He got frustrated. Well, you know everything. Thou knowest. Got upset. Frustrated. So, so the reason he responded that way, because he still was operating under guilt, condemnation, shame, because he denied Jesus. Jesus told him he was going to do it. He said, I won't. Jesus yeah. wasn't saying that to bring back to his remembrance of his denial. That wasn't the purpose of it at all. Yes. He was asking him for him, and his answer exposed where he was located. Yes. But he changed on the day of Pentecost. So that must become a reality, ladies and gentlemen. So you can tell God, I can tell God, I love you, Lord. Then it must be confirmed. What, what, what's in the heart of God must be confirmed. God already know you do, and God already know you don't. He already know us. <laughs> so he put us in a test. The test confirms what God already knew. When Jesus put those disciples in that uh, boat and said, go to the other side, he wanted them to pass the test because he gave them everything they needed to pass the test. If he ever watches right here, and this is where we miss it at. He said, listen, after he finished teaching, he performed the miracles of fish and the loaves. Now, Jesus would have said, if Jesus would have said, uh, listen, I'm going to tell you all something. Do y'all, do y'all understand this word? Oh, yeah, we understand this word. Do y'all understand um, uh, the essence of the miracle of the fish in the loaf? Oh yeah, that's how we do it, and we just believe people. Yes. We just believe people and let them go. Back. Oh, praise the Lord! They they say they know. Jesus don't ask you if you know. God don't ask you if you know. He put us in situations to let us see that we know or we don't know, which he which he knows. Your response uh, only going to confirm what he already knew. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. You and I don't catch God a surprise. If he can, if he know the numbers on our, uh, the numbers of the hairs on our head, if he knows that, then don't you think he knows we're going to pass the test? Even though he wants us to pass, God is not in the failure business. So these principles you and I really got to understand and grasp, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. So when you and I step and stand on the word of the living God, it's only a, a man on earth agreeing with a God in heaven. He said, now I know. And his knowing is solidified by your action. Mm. That's in everything in life. Amen. That's going back to uh, concerning the children of Israel. Uh, excuse me, when the Lord said that um, he led them all this all these ways, uh, all these years through the, you know, for 40 years in the wilderness uh, to test them to know what was in their heart. He already knew what was in their heart, but he wanted them to know. They needed to know what was in their heart. Many times we say, uh, we, we, like you just said, you know, I love you, Lord, but then God 
put us in a test to to see, to let us see. He already knows, but we have to see. And why does he do, do it that way? Why does God do it that way? So there will be absolutely no excuses. Mm-hmm. None. No excuses for your reward, a lack of reward. Mm-hmm. So, so you you say, well, Lord, I I, I really deserve this. Well, Lord, I think I should have got this. I think I should have got this. God said, you do, based on what? But uh, based on 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 the word that I know, based on the word that you know, uh, based on the word that you have become. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Which one? The word you know, or the word you became? Now, if Jesus, when Jesus was teaching the the, uh, the multitude before he worked the miracle, most likely if he would have asked the disciples, now tell me what I taught. Tell me what did you get from this? Like I, I, I usually do with my family on Wednesday night when we're on our way back home. Tell me what the Lord spoke to you from the word tonight. Yes. And then my, all my family, starting with my youngest, Go around. She would start in ecstasy, and then uh, Kathy, Ebony, uh, don't ride with us because she don't live with us. And uh, uh, that's good. That's fine. And they, I mean, they articulate beautifully. But what do that really mean? Is that really telling me anything and telling God anything and telling them anything? Not really. It's telling me they kind of comprehend. And God really did speak to their heart. The revelation is going to be that... that uh, 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 before Wednesday come around again, because they're going to be put in a situation yes. to see if they really know. Yes. It's not what you grasp and comprehend and you're able to quote right back to me and quote right back to God. The real evidence that you really know when God talked with you and you believe what he said is when contrary winds begin to blow that coming week. Yes, yes. If it's not that same night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's going to really reveal if you knew yeah. or if your heart really was hard. Because you can quote scriptures and your heart is hard. You can confess scriptures, your heart was hard. So Jesus then asked them, okay, I just finished teaching the crowd. Uh, tell me, did y'all get anything out of that? Oh, yeah, that was awesome word, Lord. That, that was great. Good word. Good word. <laughs> that was a good word. Good word, Jesus. Think about it. They failed twice. Yes. You just finished teaching, and then they failed after the teaching mm. when he said, send the crowd away mm-hmm. to get something. He said, you feed them. If we had 200 worth of denarii, we won't be able to feed this great multitude. He said, well, what do you have? Five fish. I mean, the five uh, loaves of bread and two fish. He said, bring it to me. Took it. Blessed it, broke it, gave it, and they fed the multitude. Twelve basketfuls was was left over. They still didn't get it. Then he put them in the boat and said, "Go to the other side." Yes. So they failed twice. First, they failed with the teaching. The teaching should have prepared them to feed the people. Then, after they fed the people, they failed with the miracle mm-hmm. because they failed in the boat. Yes. They failed the teaching. The teaching was prepared them for the miracle to feed the people. And their mind wasn't renewed. They didn't get it. Then when the miracle was performed, when the word was demonstrated, you could take it to the bank. Whatever Jesus taught was demonstrated in the breaking of the fish because he was teaching on the kingdom. Yes. So he demonstrated the kingdom in their midst. First he taught it, demonstrated it, taught it, they failed, demonstrated the kingdom, and failed again in the sea. Yes. So he would never put you out of the test but they're giving us everything we need to pass the test. Amen. And, and and that just confirms that what God has been saying concerning reconciliation and the the cross and restoration, that God has already been giving us his word. He's already been speaking his word. Because, you know, listening to those messages, God has God always have a way of confirming what he said previously. And and sometimes God reminds us of what he said previously, especially if we did not get it the first time. Um, and so that confirms what God has been speaking. And so to add to that, 
where God um, also has been saying, this is, this is the season to walk in humility, to recognize that apart from him, apart from the cross, apart from restoration, apart from me seeing myself reconciled in harmony and favor with the Most High God, uh, apart from those three uh, uh, aspects of, of the Word of God and the character of God, if I don't recognize and walk in humility, then I'm, I'm not going to uh, recognize the miracle or learn the lesson of the miracle of the lows, learn the lesson of the miracles of what God has done previously in my life. Because why? Uh, I'm, I'm full of pride. I'm not walking in humility. I'm not recognizing the hand of God. I don't recognize the, the cross, the resurrection, and reconciliation. It's not real to me yet. So, so this is the season to walk in humility and recognize that apart from God, I will not make it. I cannot make it. I think you, you, you really hit it on the head there, and that is the key to all of our quote-unquote success in God. And success in God, ladies and gentlemen, is not acquiring a house and a car and a husband and a wife and it's not acquiring a big church. Success in God is discovering the purpose of God and executing the heart and the mind of God. When you do that, you're successful. Now, some people's uh, uh, purpose of God for some people's life is, is, is greater than, uh, than others. We don't focus on anyone else. We focus on ourselves. But humility really is the key because all those things what you just said, um, we just described earlier why the disciples failed is because of pride. And the Bible said God does what? Resist. Yes. The proud. You and I cannot experience God with pride. We cannot we cannot comprehend the teachings with pride. We cannot understand the, uh, the meaning of a miracle when we're full of pride. And pride, ladies and gentlemen, is to focus on self. Uh, uh, it's really living independent of God. That that's our, all of our flesh is like that. It's living independent of God, and um, we. Uh, we we see the value of ourselves, uh, pride. We, pride sees the value of itself based on what it knows, it think it knows, and based on what it has acquired. So if I have acquired more than the average person, then I feel like I'm better, I'm greater. If I think I know more than someone else, I think I'm better. Ladies and gentlemen, what could you and I ever know? and even acquire apart from God. Hmm. Absolutely nothing. But that's the deception, and that's the manipulation, and that's what got Satan kicked out of heaven, ladies and gentlemen. Think about it. He was created. And now you want to turn around and think that you are greater and better than the one that created you? Mm-hmm. Don't you understand? It was power that created you? Mm-hmm. And you want to think, you, do you think that you are a creation and you have more power than the one that created you? Hmm. Glory. That should show us something, ladies, how pride will mess you up. And here is a perfect angel that was created, perfect. The Bible says he was perfect in his creation, but sin was found in him. Yes. How is sin found in all of us? When we get our eyes off of the one that created us and begin to put our eyes on us, and then sin is found in us. Yes, yes. Even though Jesus has redeemed us, even though the blood of the Lamb has cleansed us, but how we get tainted again, when we get our eyes off of him, just like Satan, because that's what he's going to do. He's going to tempt you, manipulate you to get your eyes back on you, what somebody done did to you, how somebody hurt you, how somebody lied on you. How could somebody do this to me? Me, me, me is the enemy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are, are, you, are you getting this? Yeah. Same thing with the children of Israel. That's why they didn't make it. Mm-hmm. You brothers are here to kill us, 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 even the disciples. Jesus was in the, behind the, in the boat, sleep, resting. A storm rose. They go down and wake him up. Don't you care about us? Yes. They didn't think about Jesus. Don't you care about us? He gets up and rebuked the wind and said, oh, you little faith. So therefore, ladies and gentlemen, we have to be very mindful. Careful. Pride, pride is, 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 is a mess. But let me share this with you. But we really got to believe and understand that Jesus really did conquer sin. And, every, and the effects of sin... 
is all those other attributes. Yes. Pride, arrogance, lying, cheating, uh, uh, fear, uh, 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 um, um, greed, um, perversion, all everything comes from those attributes come from sin. But Jesus dealt with sin. Yes. So since dealt with sin, pride don't have no more dominion over me unless I give it to it. Mm-hmm. I don't have to operate in pride. Yes. Now I can live in total dependency upon Him. Yes. Allow the Spirit of God uh, to work the works of Christ in me and through me. Yes. The, the Scripture says to be clothed with humility. To be clothed with humility. That's I, I, when I think about that. I think about uh, just like every day we make a conscious decision to put on our clothes before we go outside in society. It's the same thing spiritually uh, concerning the garments, uh, put on the garment of praise. So so putting on the garment of humility, to be clothed with humility. I have to make a conscious decision that I'm going to clothe myself, I'm going to walk in humility, and acknowledge God in all my ways or, you know, allow him to lead me, guide me, direct me during this season um, so I can experience the cross even as he's allowing me to be in a, a wilderness period, uh, this season that he has me in because he's He's elevating me. He has elevation in mind, but that's not my focus. My focus is walking in humility, trusting him every step of the way. So putting on humility is a decision I have to make every day, just like I make a decision to fight the good fight of faith. So I'm making a decision to to be clothed in humility, to to acknowledge God in everything that I do so he can lead me, he can guide me, he can direct me in this season that he have me in. So So as I experience the cross, experience reconciliation, experience the resurrection, I'm experiencing um, God himself. That's good. Let me add to what you just said uh, uh, and, and, and to help uh, the people understand what it means to put on humility, be clothed in humility. Uh, sometimes we read these scriptures and we, we quote it, but how do you do it? Yes. If, if, see, and that's the problem with a lot of us. Uh, we say a lot of good stuff and a lot of good things in the Bible, but if I don't know how to do it, it ain't no good to me. Uh-huh. And 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 uh, see, when you put on humility, you're putting Christ on. Yes. When the Bible says, "Put on the whole arm of God," every one of those pieces of the armor is nothing but a characteristic and an attribute of Jesus Christ. Yes. Element of salvation. Salvation comes by Christ. Uh, breastplate of um, uh, heaven, salvation. Breastplate of uh, righteousness. Righteousness, truth. Okay, I, I'm, I'm going going down. Breastplate of righteousness. Jesus is our righteousness. Yes. Uh, 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 um, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Yes. Uh, Lawrence girded about with truth. I am the way, the truth, and the light. Shoe, shoes sharp the preparation of the gospel of peace. He is the Prince of Peace. Uh-huh. Sword of the Spirit. He is the Word. What's the uh, what's what's sword? The Word of God. Uh, and, uh, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. And the Word was God. Helmet, um, uh, shield of faith. Uh, uh, Christ is the essence of it. All our faith is in him. Salvation comes by way of faith and grace. Uh, the scripture says uh, in John 1, uh, 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 grace and truth came by way of Jesus Christ. So it's Christ. So, but how do I put him on? Do I put him on? So, okay, I put my helmet of salvation on. We do quote that, but it still don't mean anything. And you, 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 you hit it around the head when you was closing there. It's been conscious and aware of Christ. Living in a conscious state when you're talking to every man, when you're talking to your wife. You're conscious of God. Are conscious of Christ while you're speaking to them. If I'm conscious, that means that I'm going to give Christ opportunity to speak through me, and I know it ain't going to be me, and I'm not going to say the wrong thing. He's going to say the right thing because of my conscious awareness of him. See, when I'm conscious of him, I'm clothed with him. That's how it works. Yes, yes. I'm conscious of him, I'm clothed with him. I said again, when I'm conscious of him, 
I'm clothed with him. I'm not conscious of him in the morning when I'm saying my prayers. At night, before I go to bed, I say my prayers. And that's the only time I'm conscious of him. But all the rest of the day, I'm conscious of me, what somebody doing to me, said to me, what it is. No, I live in a conscious awareness yes. of him. Mm-hmm. Jesus lived in a conscious awareness of the Father 24-7. It is the Father that does the works through me. Good master, why callest thou me good? There's none good but one. That is the Father which is in heaven. So when you're conscious of him, when people try to exalt you, you it's no way in the world you will accept that. You say, no, 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 no. You, you, you really didn't, didn't get, get the uh, revelation tonight. What was the revelation? It was the grace of God that flowed in me and through me. I just yielded. And through, because I yielded, grace flowed through me and grace blessed you tonight. Grace is what blessed you. Grace is what opened up your eyes to see. Grace is what healed you today. Grace is what delivered you today. Grace was what raised you from the dead. I just was the instrument because you're conscious, aware, aware of him. If we learn how, and see, that's what the purpose of meditating on the word, ladies and gentlemen, is about. Being conscious of God. Being conscious of Jesus, being conscious of the Holy Spirit. And think about no two objects can occupy the same space at the same time. Yes. You cannot be worried and praising at the same time. Impossible. You cannot be walking by faith and walking by doubt at the same time. It is impossible. No two objects can occupy the same space at the same time. Either you're conscious of Him or you're conscious of you. Yes. You're conscious of Him. Are you conscious of your circumstances and situation? When you're conscious of him and his word, knowing that his word is real, know, and, and see, this is another thing. Being conscious of his word, ladies and gentlemen, is being conscious of him. Yes. If that don't become a reality, if your consciousness of the word does not allow you to be conscious of him, then the word that you're conscious of is totally in vain. Yes. Satan can preach. He can teach. He can prophesy. He know he can quote scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. He's a supernatural being. Supernatural being. But he quotes scriptures and preach and teach to deceive, to manipulate, to draw. We do it to bring people to Christ. Yes. To be aware of our Father, our God. Yes. To also be conscious of him is to... to have another practical example is when I'm here in the house uh, fellowshipping with my family. Uh, wherever I'm fellowshipping with my family, I'm conscious of him. Um, if God allows uh, you to uh, to uh, ask me something, I'm co- because I'm conscious of him, I can answer you in a spirit of humility, uh, in a spirit of love, in a spirit of kindness, without getting the attitude because why? I'm conscious of him. I, and and I think that's something else that, that God is doing in this season, uh, allowing the word, uh, allowing the word, even as he's uh, taking us through this process, this this uh, season, um, he's allowing that word to, to become real, to, you know, not just meditate on the word. Okay, if I'm meditating on the word, then let me let let God show me how to how to apply it to make it practical. Um, even as we we're speaking about humility, so I'm meditating on humility, how to be humble. So when God put me in a uh, allows a situation to transpire, then because I've already seen myself walk in humility, then all all I have to do is just walk it out. That's good. Our time is basically about up. Uh, you're absolutely right. And I think sometimes we make the we, we really do make it difficult. Mm-hmm. Really not difficult. Uh we we have all these kinds of formulas to, to <laughs> make this work. And 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 it's so practical but we make it hard. We got this, we gotta do this, 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 this. If we just come to the place and just look at our natural relationships, mm-hmm. how to relate naturally, it's really Almost like work operating naturally, but doing spiritually. Yes. Uh, uh, when you are conscious of God, I don't have to worry about absolute nothing because I'm not just not conscious. I'm just to be conscious. I'm conscious of Him to please Him. 
I'm conscious of him to do his will. I'm conscious of him, so I want to hear his voice to answer you when you're speaking to me. I'm conscious of him to give, uh, uh, share something with you from his perspective. We make it hard. The, the, the scripture that will back this up before we close is John 5, verse 19 and verse 30. Jesus says, I of myself can do nothing. Yes. But what I see the Father do, I do. What I hear the Father say, I say. That means he lived in a conscious awareness of the Father 24-7. That means he was one with the Father and the Father was one with him. How did he experience oneness? It's impossible to be one with the Father when you are conscious of you and not conscious of him. That means Jesus died to anything of, of himself. He did not live for himself. He did not live to provide for himself. He did not live to protect himself. He did nothing. He lived in a conscious awareness of the will of the Father, not his will. You never see Jesus praying for a house. You never see Jesus praying for food. You never see Jesus praying for nothing, only the will of the Father being done and performed. And let me share something with everybody on this uh, uh, broadcast today. That's why the scripture says, God will bless you and move for you exceedingly, abundantly, above all you are able to ask or think, according to the power that's at work on the inside of you. Ladies and gentlemen, he wants to be your source. He wants to be your provider. He wants to be your all in all. When your mind is on the business of God, the reason for your existence, and you living living only to bring pleasure to him, living only to execute the ministry of reconciliation that he gave you, I guarantee you, you and I will never want for anything in this life. And if we do want for something, he's testing you like he tested Paul. Paul said, I have learned in whatever state that God have me in, I have learned to be content. I have learned how to abound, and I have learned how to abase. In other words, I have learned how to live in prosperity without prosperity moving me and turning me away from God. I have learned how to live in necessity, want, don't have enough food to eat. I have learned how to live in these states and still worship God and still obey God and still execute the ministry that he gave me, the ministry of reconciliation. Without it, without me complaining, without me murmuring, without me grumbling, because God is my source. He is responsible for taking care of me. Paul is the closest thing that we read in the word of the Lord, like Jesus, live like Jesus, and walk like Jesus, that we see in the word of the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, I've enjoyed this time with you today. I pray that you got something uh, from uh, this dialogue with Prophet Catherine and myself. And uh, Prophet Catherine, I want to... Um, let you know I in, uh, enjoyed you and thank you for being on with us tonight and, and sharing the heart of the mind to our radio audience. Uh, before we close, do you have any final words? Um, I would just encourage all of us to just stay, uh, continue to walk in the spirit of humility, knowing that without him we cannot endure this season that God have us in concerning the cross, the resurrection, and reconciliation, being reconciled in harmony and favor with him. I appreciate you, and we are praying for you. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been your host uh, today, Dr. E.J. McKenzie with the Master Key. And I pray that uh, the Lord spoke something to you today and encouraged you and challenged your faith. Ladies and gentlemen, listen, you are God's best. You are the apple of God's eye. He will never test you to destroy you. He always tests you to elevate you and tests you so you to become one with the Word, and the Word will become one with you, and you will become one with Him and he become one with you. Pray for us as we continue to pray for you. We love and appreciate you. We thank God for this radio audience, and we just continue to speak and pronounce the blessings of God upon you. And we pray that they will overtake you on the right hand and the left hand, you, your spouse, your children, your ministry. Ladies and gentlemen, we thank God for you to the highest. Let's do this thing together because we are the body of Christ. We need each other. So let's pray for one another and believe for one another. Let's not be critical of one another. Even when our brothers and sisters fall in error and make mistakes, let us be there 
You can't help nobody. They don't want help. But if they cry out for help, let us undergird them. Let us restore them in a spirit of humility, as the scripture says, least we uh, uh, forget ourselves. Don't forget, you know, you and I, all of us have the possibility of uh, making mistakes and error. So, but when we walk in humility and lifting one another up, and that's operating the ministry of reconciliation also, restoring our brothers and sisters and their rightful place, you're only creating your future that God will sustain you and keep you. God bless you. Love you. Appreciate you. Look forward to being with you on Saturday noon. Let the rest of your evening be blessed and the rest of your week be blessed. God bless you. Thank you.